I was going to tell you a joke about dirt, but it's beneath us. What do you get when you cross a broken ice cream truck with impressionist art? Van Gogh. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of, you know, a, a clown. Why can't you give me the respect that I'm entitled to? I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valves exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast with the wave an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. So I'm paging Dr. Steve. From the world-famous Cardiff Electric Network Studios, it's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who gives me street cred. The weirdo alternative medicine assholes. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. And we also have a nice surprise. It's my wife, Tacey, now newly retired. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello. This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347 766 4323. That's 347. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at Dr. Scott WM and visit our website at drsteve.com for podcast medical news and stuff you can buy most importantly we are not your medical providers take everything you hear with a grain of salt don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor nurse practitioner practical nurse physician assistant pharmacist respiratory therapist chiropractor acupuncturist yoga master physical therapist clinical laboratory scientist retired drug rep physical um, something registered dietitian or whatever all right very good don't forget stuff.drsteve.com they must have accepted my explanation i never heard another thing about it cool so keep using stuff.drsteve.com please uh you can buy anything that we talk about on the show most of the stuff that we've talked about and uh, or you can just click straight through to amazon.com which is you know it's a great place to do your online shopping and um and don't forget Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net, simplyherbals.net. He's got some stuff there we'll talk about in a little bit. And then um, please check out our Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash weirdmedicine. It's just Tacey and me. We started this when Tacey was on the road with the idea that if we got to 1,000 subscribers, then she could retire from her job. And to hell, she just retired anyway. I got retired. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we're Four still would still like to have a thousand subscribers. <laughs> Hell, Carl at WATP's got like seven thousand subscribers over there. It's amazing. Is that right? That's not right. It's fifteen hundred. But um, yeah, I'd like to have more subscribers than Carl does. But he really does have a pretty wonderful show over there. Yeah, he's a marketing genius. And they are doing a live show in Nashville in May, and your old buddy Dr. Steve will be there. So come say hello, and I'll buy you a beer. That's all you got to do, just say hello. I need to know the date of that. Okay, so that you can... Try tell you you can't so that go. She, so, that she, hey, so that she doesn't go on vacation somewhere else while you're while you're gone. That's the only thing. Just don't go on vacation then because you're staying with our 17 year old. Actually, he'll be 18, but no, he'll still be 17. It may be prom night. Okay, that's good. Well, I'll be glad to be good. Gone, get the hell out of here. Anyway, and one of the things I want to do is take some people down to Prince's Hot Chicken 
and then everybody, the, all the locals can laugh at us while we try to eat the stuff. And uh, those boys from Rochester, like Vinny and Carl, are uh, not used to those that kind of stuff. So I'm going to definitely drag them down there if I can get them to go. All right. Sounds good. Check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net, simplyherbals.net. And there you go. Especially now, it's getting allergy season. Yeah. We're already seeing so you actually have something. That, that nasal sprays, baby. Yeah. Tell them about it. It's it's, you're, it's not a plug. You're just telling plug, them no, about no, something you're no, doing. But, you know, I, I, I'm kind of... Uh, <laughs> it's totally a plug. I, I, it's totally <laughs> not a plug at all. I've just... I love... Um, I love our, our friends at Navage talking about how the importance of the of uh, cleaning the, the sinuses out regularly, like you brush your teeth and wash your hands to help, yeah. help with hygiene. And yeah, sure. He, so we, we do, we have our... So we you're just our, stealing their idea. No, hell, I had it first. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, their idea, for their marketing idea. But totally stealing it. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, I'm Fair sharing. Enough. I'm sharing it. I'm sharing, but I'm, I, uh, I, I, um, we have the two, we have the, the, um, the CBD and non-CBD oil containing yeah. nasal sprays that work okay. extremely well to wash out that head. I've been wearing it out. There's already something blooming here and I don't know what it is. Yeah. But it is wearing me out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Whew. you go to Outback, it's the blooming on you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got the rheumatism. Is that what you mean? <clears throat> I cannot find this thing, but, um, we do have um, a voicemail from Tucker Dixon, and okay. I do want to take it okay. because we were supposed to do it last time. Now, Tucker Dixon uh, does the recap on the creep-off for um, Vinny and uh, Carl, and he's a really he's a really good guy. And uh, he had a question last week, and we didn't get to play it. And I just thought it was a good one just to stimulate some conversation. So. All right. Oh, hell. Then we got to talk about... Hey, Dr. Steve, it's Tucker. Uh, Just calling you and leaving a message from the Discord here, where my question was, with the rise of the celebrity doctor and the ease of getting into it through YouTube, TikTok, and everything else, what does the medical community think about these type of professionals going out there? I know there are some shysters out there, like Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz, who are pitching their green tea or red yeast or whatever color and random object they have to sell some kind of herbal supplements. But there are some where I think their heart is in the right place. So like uh, what's spurring this question is Healthy Gamer GG. I think his heart was in the right place, but he was doing online therapy for streamers, mm. which may not have been the best method but I guess the crux of it is, is the medical community lagging behind and need to catch up? Or are these new doctors who are trying to become celebrities at the same time, are they helping or hurting? Uh, no, that's a great question. And Tacey. Hey, Tacey's here. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Sorry, I uh, skipped you Squirrel. the introduction. I don't Squirrel. care. I was just going to pretend that you just walked in, but actually I was just I screwed up. So. Um. So, uh, this show started off as an homage to Dr. Dean Adell. Mm -hmm. Dr. Dean Adell used to do an hour-long syndicated medical show. And he kind of finagled it a little bit. He would have people call in, and then the producers would call them back and get the information so he could do some research. And then they'd call in the next day, okay. and it would sound like they were calling live because he was always just on top of everything. And it was interesting when I found out how he was doing it. Um, but I, the thing about his show was it was real medical. I never heard him say anything that I would say, oh, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. And he st- stuck, stuck. He stuck with uh, sci- the science and evidence, and double-blind placebo-controlled studies, and that kind of stuff. But he did some interesting things, like throat nuggets and stuff. That's where I learned about throat nuggets. We've done that a bunch on this Ew, show. What's a throat nugget? What's well, a tonsillith taste? It's when uh, people have who are adults mostly have. Uh, crypts in their tonsils and food and bacteria get caught in there and the body will try to wall it off and it makes these little sort of smelly plastic things and when you open your mouth you see these white dots in your tonsils if you still have them when you're an adult and the trick is to get them out is to use a water pick and so you water pick them out 
and then you're done with them. But people will poke them out with like a, a tongue depressor. Mm-hmm. And then if you if you get them out of your mouth and then squish them, they smell to high heaven. Yeah. Because it's just it, old, yucky bacteria. But anyway, yeah. I learned some of that stuff from him. I was doing primary care, and I was learning things from this yeah. from this guy. I always liked the guy. He's I really respected yeah. him. And um, so when I told Steve Carlisi about the show, I said, yeah, I want to do Dr. Dean, but I want to do it in a more fun way. He couldn't have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they would have to say, you know, male genitalia instead of, you know, cock or you know <laughs> jungle area or whatever you know we, more medical have, terms you couldn't have any fun terms. with it well we can say i mean we can <laughs> use real language sure, that people use on this show and he, he couldn't do that right because it was syndicated on am radio <laughs> matter of fact there were certain calls that were off limits and so i said the thing to steve was i want it to be completely uncensored so if there's any question somebody asks we can answer it no matter what language they use and Tacey, you'll remember back in the back in the beginning, our sort of thing was, I didn't want us dropping a bunch of f bombs. But if the caller did, it was was you know it was no big deal. It was vile. And you were <laughs> you were sort of the enforcer on that. When John P A John would get out of line, I remember one time he made some joke about the Virgin Mary or something. I'm like, okay, that's that's P A John, everybody. And you looked at him and you were like, what the fuck are you doing <laughs> so he was pretty good at provoking no he was well, he was funny he was my funny friend back oh, then awesome. so that's why he was on here and he he had the orthopedic experience that i don't have yeah so he you know he brought a lot to the show but um uh so but that was the original intent of course since then i've dropped more f-bombs than can be possibly i think the show has calmed down a lot steve it has calmed down oh yeah totally we're less shock jockery there's less shock jockery than there was back then but i'm still so i don't care to drop an f-bomb now because i'm not worried about some of the other content not worried about ever making any money off of it or anything like (laughs) that that's true too we gave up on that idea a long time ago we certainly did but after the first one you and pa jill and i and pa john went outside of the studio on west 57th and looked up at the parker meridian and we were thinking now should we get a condo here (laughs) or should it be it's like jesus Mm -hmm. because you know we knew how much money o and a were making we figured we'd make a fifth of that which we would have been fine with i could have quit my job if we'd made a fifth of what they were making Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, no, well, yeah. It was a fifth of a hundred dollars, right? Something like that. We, um, yeah. So, so you know what though? So back to Tucker's point: not making money off of this show and just doing it for the joy of doing it has made things uh, easier for us to not fall into what he's talking about, because. Dr. Oz is a great example. Mehmet Oz is a real physician. Mm-hmm. He is was highly regarded in his field. And then he gets hooked up with Oprah. And now he's then eventually, he, and, and he was still reasonably well-respected. He was doing more like the kind of things that we do. He'd come on and talk about it, some topic. Then he gets his own show, and he's making millions of dollars, has millions of viewers, and now he's got to come up with something every week. Yeah. Every single week, he's got to come up with something. Oh, every day. Isn't he a daily show? Well, I'm sorry. Yes, but week well, after week. Well, he has week. a team uh, of, of writers. Sure, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you can just talk about yeah. you know, what's best for your sinuses just so many times that people get tired of it. Yeah, sure. And so now I see that he's crept into things like red yeast rice, and well, you know, well, there's some evidence there. But some of the stuff that he has promoted on his show is just, frankly, malarkey. But he's run out of things, and that's what people are interested in is malarkey. Mm-hmm. And so then when you get into that phase of it, yes, the medical profession has some things to say about it. And there are some people who have, you know, in the medical profession that have called him out on this stuff. And we have here ourselves from time to time when he said some silly things. And, uh, you know, Dr. Drew catches some hell with 
the uh, rehab, the particularly celebrity rehab, mm-hmm. where at times, and I don't know what's in his mind, it looks like there's some exploitation going on. Now, there, uh, there's no question that he has increased the discussion about rehab and increased knowledge about rehab, but at the same time, you got to have a show every time, and if you're going to you know, which celebrities are we going to get this time? Yeah, and, no. and we got to ramp it up, and it's got to be more interesting this time than last time. So we need to show somebody really decompensating or whatever. And uh, and so the medical profession does have some issues with, with those kinds of things as well. You know, a show he does not have a trouble with is Botched. When Steve watches Botched with me, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that, Scott. It's where people get plastic surgery to the point where they just need lots of help to, yeah. to undo it. So it's just gone poorly? Yes. Okay. With those two doctors, Steve will actually watch and not yell at the television. No, that is true. Now, that is true. Most, most of the of, other shows? Most of the times he they're fixing big, giant breast implants. So. That could be why he's not yelling as <laughs> yes. well. Yes. He's like, how do I get into that? I know. No, I, I, I like those guys. They help people. Yeah. Well, and the yelling and should they, be at the people that did the surgeries to get the, that's the right. folks to that point that's right but Ugh. the uh, i do like that but that dr pimple popper that she i'm just yelling at the tv the whole time <laughs> she's the best What's no she's her? not oh she's the best by far okay oh by far agree to disagree <laughs> well maybe disagreeing on the wrong thing my friend <laughs> oh okay no she yeah, in that regard that i mean uh, yeah you get a yeah, tv you can show. just watch her and turn the volume yeah, yeah, yeah. off right, and it's right, a great right. show okay well if you want to be okay harvey <laughs> so it's 2022 but uh yeah i'm not a well i didn't say why and it's just from time to time i, I see some of the techniques or, or not you know anyway i don't so, yeah, people in the medical profession have some issues with celebrity doctors. There's no question about that. That's why I'm not a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> and I know um, there are some people are made fun of because, they say, well, I'm, I don't have a big audience, but I want it that way. And um, you all know who I'm talking about. There's multiple people that talk that way. Um, we're in a different situation. I've got a real job. And so Tacey and I decided a long time ago that if if I was going to do this and now we're doing it, that um, we didn't want to put ourselves in a position where we could lose the actual job where we're making money. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I turned down a, 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 a TV deal because I'd have to take 12 weeks off and it was for no money. Oh. And they they said, well, you'll make money if it's a success. It's like I can't no. jeopardize my family that way. No. And uh, Bobby Kelly talked me through that one. He said, look, dude, you know it's going to be for no money the first season, and you only make money if it's like a huge hit. And um, you know, it's like I knew it wasn't going to be a huge hit, <laughs> even if he or some other people that we had that talked to were my co-hosts you know it still i didn't i wouldn't have the confidence that to just put everything on the line for that so i like just talking to who we talk to you know we've had the same fifteen thousand people downloading our podcast for the last x number of decades now Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i'm happy with that yep i i i love our audience the one thing I've I've noticed is I've seen people posting in our subreddit, and they're like, well, this isn't a double-blind placebo-controlled study. Now, maybe they knew that before, but I like to think that they got some of this critical thinking when it comes sure. to medical information from our show. Yeah. And I know our audience is very sophisticated mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, medical knowledge, and some of that is just because that's, you know, we've disguised a, an actual medical show as light comedy you know <laughs> so anyway all right right that's cool what were we talking oh tucker dixon's question so yeah that's the thing what do you think about some of those tv doctors taste what is this no oh okay never mind hmm. hmm i don't i don't really have an opinion i don't necessarily like to watch them 
Yeah. I do like botched. Botched is botched is awesome. Yeah, it's those guys are really really good at what they do. Yeah, I appreciate the plastic surgeons. Yes, I think I've seen one or two episodes of that. I appreciate virtuosity wherever I see it, Mm -hmm. and they are virtuosos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I don't really watch them. I I don't like um, to watch Doctor Pimple Popper. Mm -hmm. You know, when she first came out, I was fascinated by it, but that lasted a couple of days. Yeah. And then um, it says, "How many lumps can you see somebody remove? Yeah, and I, how many I, sebaceous cysts can you see somebody use an odd approach to?" Now she does help people with those. Big, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, she helps a lot of patients. Yeah, no question about that. But um, but yeah, yeah that's just not my thing. Yeah, okay, I can't find this phone call, so I'm hoping the guy will just email it to me. But it was good. It was. Uh, I'll just I'll just tell you what it was. And then we've got some uh, some articles to do, and then we'll take some uh, regular phone calls, and cool. then we'll hit the uh, the waiting room and see if they've got anything. We got a couple of yeah. Um, this guy called in and he said, "If if I get alcohol on my finger, it will burn, and I blow on it, and it gets better. But when my hands are cold, I'll blow on them, and they get warmer. Now, how does the body know?" Um, which one to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is that, and I'm sorry, dude, if I butchered your question, that that when you get alcohol on a cut and you blow on it, you're not actually changing the, well, you are changing the temperature. You're actually making it colder. But uh, that's because the alcohol is volatile, mm-hmm. you know, and when you blow on it, you're increasing it's evaporation away from the wound and when you in finally get it to all evaporate away the pain goes away because the alcohol isn't irritating the wound anymore mm-hmm. that's different and then your breath is always going to be warmer than the ambient temperature if you're out in a you know sub sub zero weather mm-hmm. and um and so you're you know there's really no disconnect there it's just two different phenomena Mm-hmm. So, anyway, you know, it's kind of a cool question. I wish I could have found it. Good question. All right. What do you got, Dr. Scott? Well, I've got two I've got two pretty good stories. Okay. The one you sent me it is a it's the first ever recording of a dying human brain. Yeah, I saw this. Shows shows brain waves similar to those with memory flashbacks. Um, and the gist of this How is, do they get that? Well, well, yeah, it was it's it's kind of interesting. Can you get closer to your mic? Yes, sir. Sorry, it's kind of it was kind of um is Kind of a sad story in a, in a way that had they had an eighty seven year old gentleman that had recently begun having um, epileptic seizures and they had um, got him in to to do some testing on him they're going to do an EEG on him yep. hooked up his brain once they started running these this 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 essay on him the poor guy has a big heart attack and dies oh my goodness so <clears throat> they left this the the um, the EEG running on him and, and evaluated. What? Yep, they evaluated the... Uh, did they code him? They, they coded him. They but, did code him? Yeah, but but, but ran the uh, the EEG on him as it, as he was dying. And as they were well, you can't just rip life. those off. So no. for one thing, he's and talking about... they take about forever a, to get on. He's talking about a brainwave <laughs> test. And those things are basically glued, glued onto yeah. your scalp. So it's not like you can just rip them off. So you might as well leave them on. Yeah, because it, it, it would take a while to... But it was just an EEG, though? Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Just you know. a normally... They're just, well, I don't just, see how they could see anything with that. But go ahead and yeah. tell us. Well, they say that, that actually what they found was that as he was dying, his brain started showing some strange oscillations, um, which you would see when someone is, is going into a deep meditative state or dream state. Hmm. Which is kind of I want to see this. Yep. And, and I'm always very suspect with medical journalism because they get stuff wrong all yep. the time. Well, even worse, even worse. I want to see the publication. Going back to our a discussion we had a little while ago, remember we were talking, it's been shows ago, we were talking about how is, in, in medicine you guys have been able to, you've changed the definition of death. Yes. Kind of with each Right. Not century, but you know, with each well, no, with, with, with each, yeah, with each uh, new technology. Yeah, so onset of new. We defined it right. as stopping breathing. Then we got the ventilators. Mm-hmm. We just uh, defined it as the heart stopped beating. Then we, in, you know, developed CPR. Yep. And now our uh, thing is, uh, you know, absence of brain activity. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of what they're saying now. They're saying, they're saying that this might change how we look at death even further, just because mm-hmm. now, um, just because they're technically dead. 
per today's standards, they're still having some kind of brain activity, which and and they and it's kind of an interesting article. It's actually really kind of fascinating um, because this these these doctors talk about not only you know how you, how you die and how it 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 correlates to some of those dream states, but but if you look at more of the spiritual metaphysical side of things, yeah, um, you can really kind of say what is it that you're seeing. When you die, are you, are you yeah. having these flashbacks? Are you My brother yourself? has a theory Go about through. this. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear it. because. Well, his theory is yeah. is that, and <clears throat> there's some science fiction people have, have talked about this as well, that when he dies, he thinks that his brain's going to go into a state where it will, <clears throat> you know, all like a hologram, all of the information will be there, and you can work your way through it like uh, Billy Pilgrim in Slaughterhouse-Five where he would... He would live different parts of his life at different times. He became unstuck in time. And my brother thinks that that state will allow you to experience that basically forever, even though that the, you know, the, the chemical activity in your brain will stop because to you it will seem like an eternity. So mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting. You know, and, and my, that, of course, my brother's a weirdo. Too, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, but you know, and if you think about his it, favorite thing to do is when he meets somebody new is fart, and then laugh about it because it smells so bad. Oh, for God's <laughs> sakes! That's that's a true story. You remember that taste? Smartest? <laughs> you don't remember? No. The first time you met my brother, and he basically shit his pants, <laughs> no. and then and you smelled the smell because they're always silent, and. In the, okay, I, I can't believe you can't hilarious. remember this. That's and then he <laughs> thought it was the funniest thing because <laughs> you were like, what the hell is that smell? <laughs> and it's like, I smelled that my whole life. I know that the smell of his horrible bowel gas because he would, he was older than me and he'd hold me down and then just fart in my face and it was so foul. Oh, There's something weird living in his colon. And uh, we were in Canada once and he... He passed gas in the cabin, and five adults and one 15-year-old went running out of that um, cabin as fast as we could get out of there because it smelled so bad. Because if you didn't, you were going to puke. But anyway. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, side. So, uh, go on. May I, may Sorry. I say, yeah, well, no, that was pretty much the end of the end of the paper. It, it was a really short paper. Um, did your brother come up with this hypothesis after your dad? Kind of. And I don't know. I mean, he told me about it during the eclipse. I remember that. It was like fun conversation during the eclipse. Hmm. Um, well, it was cloudy. Yeah. There wasn't much to look at. Oh, that pissed me off so bad. It was going right over his house. So we had a place to go. Mm-hmm. And it was the first total eclipse I was ever going to see. And I've been wanting to see. I've seen a ton of partial eclipses. You know, I, I made the little pinhole box things back in the 60s and all this stuff and we're going to finally see one and uh you know it wasn't too bad it was just a little bit cloudy which i could deal with i got some pictures of you know before the the total eclipse mm-hmm. and then we walked up to this field where we would have an unobstructed view of the sun and um because the temperature changes if you've got any precipitation or or anything it's just going to uh precipitate and mm-hmm. and so as the sun started to glide itself and you could see the shadow of the umbra coming toward you then the the, cl- the sky over our heads just went completely dense with clouds no oh, red farts i was so pissed red farts so pissed then it took us eight hours to get home and then it yeah literally took us eight hours to drive two and a half hours mm-hmm. because there were so many people that had congregated along the path of the eclipse. God damn it. Anyway. That is hilarious. So, go. So, how about another one? Yep. I found them really cool. And this, again, going back a couple of shows, I don't remember exactly what started the conversation, but we're talking about births. And, folks, you know, <clears throat> we talked about post, post, post-birth and, <laughs> and how some of the the uh, Chinese people would eat the placenta. And yeah. That, that got me into doing a little bit of research. It's not just Chinese people. Eat no, it's not just Chinese, but I can only speak to Chinese. Cause yeah, a lot of Ma- Americans will do that as well. I think Tacy probably did that. No, Tacy oh, didn't oh, yeah. do that. Fried it up in an egg with a little, little, Ooh, little hot sauce. I remember sauce, seeing sauce. it, though. It was pretty gross looking. Yeah, it's like an alien. Ooh. It's got all the veins and stuff on the one side, and it's all meaty on the other side. Ooh. 
sounds my like dog had 10, ba- 10 puppies and ate all 10 placentas. Well, there you go. Yeah. Got the nutrients back. Eight, yeah, exactly. Which, which one? Sadie, you okay, didn't know yeah, this okay. one. I was just like, yeah. And then she didn't leave the whelping box for two days. And huh. then when I finally got her to go out, she took the most gigantic dump I've ever seen a dog <laughs> ever take. Because she had to shit out 10 placentas. Oh, I bet. Yeah, Lord. <clears throat> disgusting. That was, I bet that was disgusting. Wasn't yeah, it? she was a good mom, though. But anyway, oh, go ahead. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Okay, so a couple a couple of these, these they're called strange birthing trends that came. Oh, I'm going to like that. have come into the... Uh, um, the forefront here as of late lotus births okay what's you want to guess you want to guess lotus birth. lotus birth well are you just in the lotus position i don't know well that's what i was thinking you're born in or you're sitting in lotus position yeah. and dump them into a you into know, a bath bucket of water or something <laughs> <laughs> hey we're boys we, we don't know any better tasty <laughs> a lotus birth so it, it um this is when the because um, you know typically when when a uh, baby's born the the umbilical cord is snipped pretty quickly right yeah Doctor Steve you've yep. de- you've delivered quite a few yep. uh, however what this lotus birth is is about the parents allowing the cord to remain attached to the placenta until it breaks normally okay or naturally now what yeah and that's how long does that take well it's it takes days possibly weeks oh. even dogs don't do that exactly they chew them off. So they're saying that that is not a great thing to do. It's just really easy to spread some because the placenta is technically dead tissue. Yeah, so it's that beca- it's, it's going to become necrotic. I mean, they the, so the woman delivers the placenta, yep. and then they just walk around with this with placenta. I guess they wrap it up in a little burrito kind of thing and carry it around. No, it doesn't say that, but but there's a, they just allow it to to slough off naturally. A lotus birth. No. Yep. All right. Now I'm just getting started. Now, I got, now listen. Sometimes you will leave the. Pl- you won't cut the cord if the kid, for whatever reason, is anemic. And then what you'll do is hold the kid down below the um, woman while the placenta is still hooked up. This is right when they're born, before the placenta starts to get um, disconnect. And then what you want, what you're trying to do, is get as much blood to go from the mother's side to the baby's side before you cut it. Mm-hmm. But that's we're talking like five, ten minutes, mm-hmm. yeah. if that. Yeah, not not two days or three days. Why would people no. do that? I don't know, Doctor Steve. If anybody has done this, call in three four seven seven six six four three two three. I want to hear about that. All right, number two. Ready for this? Because it's not natural. I don't even think our caveman ancestors did that stupid shit. No, they whacked it off with a big rock. <laughs> and, then, and then ate the placenta. Chewed it and ate it. You know they ate it. And they fried it up with they fried, they fried up some quail eggs and you know a little bit well, of salt. I'm talking cave people. I don't know if they ate quail oh, eggs. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe they did. Yeah, just have some kind just of ate them raw. A cave chef, yeah. Um, a free birth. A free birth. Okay. Okay. You want to guess the free, free birth? I'm guessing you have Medicaid. <laughs> Is that it? That's you're, not it. You're, you're exactly wrong, Dr. Steve. Congratulations. <laughs> okay. We need a boo for that one. Okay, uh, I'll give myself you go. one. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. So a, a free birth is an unassisted birth where the woman chooses to have the birth without any medical help of any kind. Okay. Which is which which is okay as long as there's no complications. Mm-hmm. But it reminds listen, this is the truth. So I read this I read this on in the newspaper. And it was uh, not here locally, thankfully, but evidently this gal <laughs> was going into a, a labor and tells her husband this and he and he wanted to do a couple other things around the house and finally when he got around to driving her to the emergency department, she starts having the baby in the car. In the car. But here's where it gets really cool. Okay. So this gal, <clears throat> as they pull up to the the emergency room, says the baby is coming out now because it's like her second yeah. or third birth. Yeah. Not a not a coma. Yeah. The guy starts panicking, freaking out. So he parks the car, and he's got cars like we have with, with the, the keys that you don't have an ignition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he goes running out to the emergency room, and the car automatically locks. <laughs> she rolls her chair back to start having this baby. She's in active labor. Well, they come out. The guy gets gets back to the car, and he's so upset he faints. The emergency department can't get into the car. Now, this is a true story. Can't get into the car. Finally, as she delivers the baby, she can reach up and unlock the car door. Oh, God. <laughs> now, this is a true story. They, they, they wind up having a, 
a wheelchair to wheel her in. She's like, no, you better take him in. So they wheel, she walks in the emergency room. <laughs> with the baby. With the baby. And, and they had to roll his ass in there in a wheelchair. They might as well just turn around and go home. Oh, God bless him. All right, one more. That more. guy won't. No, he, he'll, he'll, he'll never live that down. No. She'll, mm-hmm. give him, she'll give him a bunch of grief. Let's All right, one more, one more, one more. And Wait, we'll, how many do you, is there? Because you could do some more of these. Okay, yeah, there's there's 11 total. Okay, well. Some, some of them are good. Some of them aren't so good. Okay, give us another good Let's, one. I, I'm going to give you a good one. This is a good one. Um, I cannot wait to see Tacey's response to this, <laughs> since she's the one of only three of us that have had children in this, in this uh, office. Okay, so. Um, <clears throat> Let's see. The orgasmic birth. Oh, yeah. Woohoo. I had some. Remember, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An orgasmic birth. Oh, yeah. That's bullshit. You want to guess? I said, you want to guess at what that means? I mean, I'm assuming. That Are they stimulating a part of her body while she's in labor? Well, you know. Because well. nipple stimulation is something. We do that to right. get the, to release. Oxytocin. Um, oxytocin so that you can increase uh, labor if you need to and sometimes nipple stimulation by itself yeah. will do it and it'll but if this the... is clitoral stimulation during birth i can't imagine too many women who've been been through the birthing process would be okay with this i mean who would be interested in it well they they okay tell, tell us about it so now according to this 2013 study 0.3 percent of birth births um these women have orgasms Get the hell and, and, ex- and experience some feelings, sexual feelings during the childbirth, and um, they do. <clears throat> oh, uh, wow, that is very interesting. Please tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, it doesn't say they were being stimulated externally. I guess it's just from the fact of from the birth, birth evidently. So I don't know. You know Tacey, you'll have to wax poetic. Oh my on God, that. can you imagine? I'm yeah. no listen. I would I'm have done. hit or kicked. I, I can't no no it's anything but that. Yep. And and for anybody that I know <laughs> who's, from then who's on too yeah. had a baby would agree with me. It's there's nothing sexual about it. As a matter of fact. Well, of course, you can have an orgasm without being sexual. Like there are women that have, uh, you know, if they um, cross their legs, jump up can, and down, they can yeah. have orgasms and stuff like uh, you know during calisthenics or during uh, uh, aerobic exercise women who have orgasms when they're riding a bike and stuff like that so you can have an orgasm without being engaged in sexual activity I just can't imagine you would have an orgasm during this, is this. having a baby right 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 mm-hmm. right right uh, agreed yeah it's it's completely completely so Daisy's calling porn. bullshit on this yeah I, I'm having a hard time believing it now Okay, so if you've ever had a baby and um, you have had an orgasm while you were <laughs> delivering the baby, please call Please in. call us. And not you, Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know he's on this. All right, one more. Okay, you're going yeah, to you're gonna, you're gonna love this. Pregnancy suits for dads. For dads who want to get in on the action. Oh, come on. No, 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 no. They no, have no, a mom, no. I know what this is. They have a mommy tummy pregnancy suit designed to um, complete with the um, the heaviness, the kicking, the, the movement of the of the baby. And um, the guy can wear it around and, and enjoy this experience. Oh, Here's yeah. the thing. Just like all of these other things, he can take it off. Yep. The exactly. woman can't. Exactly. exactly. So that's it's bullshit. <clears throat> and it's virtue signaling sort of and you're not it's not empathetic you're just you're not experiencing what she's experiencing it's bullshit in my opinion this is my opinion and the difference again being you can just take it off whenever you want to mm-hmm. and you're not facing labor <laughs> talk to Tacy about labor no thank you I'm sure I'm sure it was a lot of things we were eating and we were there, wasn't one of they were going to induce her okay on Wednesday but Tuesday night she we were out eating and she looked at me and she said my back hurts and I'm like you're in labor uh, you want to talk about it well I mean I, I mean every woman who's had one knows this story but I, I mean yeah a lot we, of guys don't know it we went home no. there were a lot of things that had to be done before we could go to the hospital you know, the dogs had to go to the kennel. Was this number one or number two? This was number one. Yeah. And it was very foggy on the way home, on the way to the hospital. And, 
Steve goes, let's name him Foggy. Let's name him Foggy. And I hit him. She just, boom. <laughs> it's like, okay, jokes, not a, not, 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 not a good time, not for, a good joke. time for jokes. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to lighten the mood a little bit. But yeah. JC, I'd never seen her like this. I mean, she was leaning her head against me, pushing as hard as she could when I was sitting there because she was in so much pain. It was terrible. And then that we, I, the anesthesiologist didn't come, and he didn't come. And he's like, well, we have to wait for Dr. whatever his name was to show up and write the order. And so I picked up the phone, and I, I called. That was the one I when I called mm-hmm. him, right? I said, will you please put in an order for an epidural for my wife, like mm-hmm. right now? Mm-hmm. And um, the because uh, I was going to put the order in my damn self. Mm-hmm. I have privileges in that hospital. I can mm-hmm. do that. Um, would probably be a problem later, but I'd rather I'd rather be in Dutch with administration with than with than her the boss. That's right. Yeah, you and me because both. it was hours. He never responded. Yeah, he wasn't responding to his pages, and uh, but I had his number. So anyway, finally, what was like? You remember his name? Say no, his name. I don't the, remember the, his name. Oh, you don't Stan? You don't remember Stan's name? Oh, Stan. Yeah, Stan the man. Yeah. I remember Stan okay. the man. I don't I remember you would the remember. guy who delivered us. I, I knew though. you would remember Stan's name. Yeah. Oh, God, Stan. She loved Stan. I do love me some Stan. He uh, came in and did an epidural, and he's like, I don't know if I got it in the right place. And I saw Tacey <laughs> sitting up talking on her cell phone. I said, no, you got it in the right place. Yeah. And from God. then on, you know. And he, he helped with the second one, too. Yeah, he did. Oh, God, what a wonderful, wonderful person. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. good old Stan. Anyway. That's cool. All right. What are we doing now? What do you want to do? Answer yeah. some phone calls? Let's do some phone calls. Okay. Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. Do we have any questions from the waiting room? We why had one a little way. I, why don't you uh, gather I'll those? Go back, yeah, I'll go you back. missed a bunch of them last week. I'm just gonna say. I'm just gonna. Hey. I'm not. I'm not fussing at you. I'm just saying. I went back and looked. So, um, what maybe what we need to do is <laughs> is no 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 uh, is have people uh, put question in capitals so that Scott can see it a little bit easier because there's a lot flashing by, and if uh, and if we don't see it, you, yes. ask it again because well, it's it, he's got a lot going on too. Yeah. And I'm trying to keep notes and yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, yeah. dude, hey, not fussing at no. you. I'm just saying a solution. We're looking for a solution. Yeah, that's Steve. right. Thank you. All right, <laughs> all right. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu/visit. Steve, uh, my name is Paul. I'm calling from California. Hey, Tom. About three weeks ago, I had COVID. Uh, the first night of uh, getting COVID, I experienced electrical shocks shooting through my brain throughout yeah. the evening. Um, I have no idea what that was. I'm hoping you do. I can't find anything online about it. Please let me know. Thank you, Doctor. Yeah, Google Brain Zaps. That's what that was. And I had it when I was withdrawing from Cymbalta. Yes, that's what I was getting ready to ask you, if that's the same kind of brain zaps. Yep. I think Those so. Are miserable. Uh, COVID caused a lot of neurologic issues, and every once in a while, you get somebody with brain saps and stuff like that. You know, it's just a weird. It's a, where are they? Are they all over? Just just one no, in spot? your brain? Well, no, I know, but I'm oh yeah, no, over. it goes yeah. like from one side to the other, like okay. like electricity oh, going well. through your brain. It's basically a neuropathic, okay. you know, in syndrome. Not like a migraine headache. And, no, okay, and gotcha. it's probably an illusion. It's right. not really going from one side of your brain to the other. It, feels it just like it. feels like it is. Right and yeah. that's the only way to describe it is a zap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had brain zaps. That's terrible. And Terminator eyes. I've told you about that, right? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. You know, yep, it, yep. It, it, and people say, well, Terminator eyes? What the hell are you talking about? It's like whenever you would see those, uh, the Terminator in their full, a, their full sort of Terminator aspect, not when they had the human disguise on, and they would... Uh, all of, all of a sudden be making these machine noises and you would when their eyes would move they go and that mine were doing that every time i moved my eyes from side to side i would hear that in my head for oh. about two weeks and i've had other people since i said that you know email me and say that they experienced it as well so uh but that yeah that's what it was it was a neurologic manifestation of your body's immune response to covid19 and be thankful that's all it was 
and it went away. It sounds like it went away. All right, but it's a legit symptom. All right. Hey, Doc, this is Zach from Oklahoma. Hey, Zach. Um, my question is, I was just wondering if it was possible to get uh, different viruses at the same time. Mm, good question. Um, if you're not feeling well and go to the doctor and get, get tested, like, could you have, like, COVID and the flu and strep throat all at the same time? <laughs> and if you do, uh, what happens in your body? Do they, do they like, fight each other over dominance? Yeah. Do they get along or, or, or what? And, Finish him. Uh, uh, yeah, kill, so kill, thank you for kill, that, kill. and uh, I appreciate you taking That's me. a great uh, damn question. That's a fabulous question. That's a fabulous question. So when you have a virus, most people have noticed that they get one virus at a time. Most of the time they're working their way through the community. It really is just maybe one dominant virus working its way through the community at the time uh, because of transmission, right? But uh, you, one of the hypotheses is that when you have a virus, uh, you produce uh, these um, cytokines called interferons. And interferons help to prevent further infection from viruses. And uh, at least that's one hypothesis. And so when you have one virus, it's unlikely that you're going to get another one. But I will say that I saw one patient during this two-year and two-and-some pandemic that it had a positive COVID test at the same time they had a positive influenza test. And I'm also going to say that was the only influenza I've seen in the last two years. Right on, was yeah. in that person that was infected with both viruses at the same yep. time. Yep. So it can happen. Mm -hmm. Now, strep throat, is that's not a virus. That's a bacteria. It's called by um, uh, group A strep, mm -hmm. uh, streptococcus. And uh, it's a bacteria. You treat it with antibiotics. So, and it, by the way, we don't treat strep throat with antibiotics because we want the strep throat to go away. Mm -hmm. We treat strep throat with antibiotics to prevent rheumatic fever. Yeah, rheumatic complications. Right. Untreated strep is the cause for rheumatic heart disease right. and other things like that. So Bad for you, Ticker. Yep. All right. All right. I got a feet thing. Might be for you, Dr. Scott. Cool. I'm ready. All right. Hey, Dr. Steve, Dr. Scott, Casey. Amen. This is Mike in Pennsylvania. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing How are great. you? Good. So I'm having a problem with my feet. The toe, big toe and both feet are always cold. Sometimes they feel kind of numb, and, and they look white um, when it gets bad compared to the other yep. uh, toes on my feet. So even at room temperature, you know, they need to, I need to wear slippers or a sock or they feel uncomfortable regardless of the position that I'm in. The weird um, part is that if I'm walking or running, even if it's cold outside, they feel a lot better. So, yeah. you know, I Googled it and thought of it says maybe I have diabetes. I don't think that's the case. I don't think so. But what could be causing um, this problem? And I actually made an appointment with a podiatrist, which leads to the second part of my question is, why do podiatrists need their own separate schools? I kind of understand that my dentists do, but if a hand specialist or a knee specialist is just an orthopedic surgeon who went to medical school and then specialized in one of those fields, why aren't the feet the same thing? It's a great question. We should get a podiatrist in here to answer that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that goes back way, way, way back that, the, you know, the school of podiatry is separate. They go through a full curriculum and then they are feet, basically surgeons of the feet. And uh, some orthopedists do foot surgery, but a lot of times they'll refer to a podiatrist depending on what it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, they'll do toenails and stuff that the orthopedist won't do. So they do more comprehensive treatment for the feet. You know, go to an orthopedist with a big toenail that's full of fungus and see what they tell you. They're going to say, why the hell are you here? <laughs> you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. That's basically what they're going to say to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, but a podiatrist will say, come on in, we'll take care of it. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's that's partial answer to that question. Now, on to the white feet or the white big toes mm -hmm. that feel better when he's exercising. What do you uh what do you think, Dr. Scott? I've got an answer. Maybe rain odds? 
maybe maybe um i'm not i'm not too thrilled with that it would be it would be strange for it just to be in that one that one toe you know i mean he could have a diabetic neuropathy well he said he doesn't think he has diabetes so Mm -hmm. that's the thing so Mm -hmm. everything in google says he okay this is a manifestation of diabetes Mm -hmm. but he doesn't have diabetes no so let's just assume he doesn't have it because most people who have it know it. Yeah. And he it's could, so easy to diagnose, mm-hmm. you know, that is assuming he goes to a primary care from time to time, they would have picked it up. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, mm-hmm. this is just me, mm-hmm. it's just both big toes mm-hmm. and they're white and then when he runs, it gets better. So mm-hmm. it's obviously circulation, mm-hmm. but what's causing it? Yeah. And because when he's running, he gets more blood pumped there. Mm. I think he needs to look at his shoes. Yeah. They'd... I agree. Thank you, Tacey. Wow, that's that's a first. Well, oh, my God. I've had shoes before. I believe hell just froze over there, <laughs> Dr. Scott. Mm-hmm. I've had shoes before that made my toes feel numb. Mm-hmm. And I take them off and, and put different shoes on, and they go back to normal. Yeah, and they may feel worse for a while mm-hmm. after you take the shoes off. Yep. Well, and, and two, if, if he does have that, if, if that theory is right, you know, he may have a um, really like a big bunion, hammer toe kind of thing. He may. He that, may. That's just it's pinching and trapping his, his that blood could vessels, be. which yeah. would make sense, too. Gout. But I see um, people buy the not. wrong shoes, yeah. and it... They feel okay when you're wearing them, but you don't realize what they're doing to your feet. Yep. So where would he go? To a place that watches how you walk. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. And tells you what you need. Mm-hmm. So Fleet Feet is Fleet. one of those people, mm-hmm. one of those places, and they yep. could sell him some walking shoes. And, hell, I'll write a note for you. If work says you can't wear those, it says you can, yeah. <laughs> that you can wear them. Just to try it and see if that makes a difference. Yeah, and a vis- you know, physical therapist that's great with, with, yep. with gait disorders would be a good place. Yeah. You know, um, I tell you, the um, painful toes and painful feet can really ruin your. Yeah, well, because your, you got to use man, them every day. It's awful. And so. you don't think about your feet until they start hurting, and then that's all you can think about. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tacey knows. She said, God, what were those things that you had in your feet that they had? They said that they couldn't take out because if they did, they'd just make them worse. And they weren't Morton's neuromas. I can't remember what they were called. It was some weird plantar. Oh, the, yeah, um, the cysts she had in. Uh, it yeah. was right yeah. in the middle of the And then they just fashion. grew back. Yeah. So I'm just leaving them. But they don't hurt anymore. No, well, that's good. Good. Yeah, that's good I guess because it's scar tissue. It's disgusting, though. Yeah, but it'd be interesting to see if that guy checks if, if any of the rest of his foot has some deficiencies in yeah. color. Just in case. But I think, you know, a vascular evaluation podiatrist probably good well you, yeah. your primary care pc dog Big. can yeah. do a, a thing called an a- ankle brachial index and yeah. all that is right, right. is they do True. um a, a blood pressure in your arm and then they do it in your lower leg and then they can see if there's a huge difference well you've got a problem with circulation in general mm-hmm. But uh, the fact that this is confined to the two big toes really kind of indicates to me that he may have a problem with his shoes. It may be as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Go to Fleet Feet or someplace like that that, you know, can evaluate your gait, see if you've got, you know, you're putting pressure on one side or the yeah. other, or just look at your shoes yeah. and see if you need a little extra room in there. Yeah, totally. Some people wear their shoes till they you know till kingdom come mm. and as we get older our feet sort of splay out <laughs> you know i do <laughs> and their feet sort of splay out a little bit and they may change and you may need um but if you go say you know in the old days you go to a shoe store and there'd be a person in there oh may i help you sir or madam and they'd measure your feet and they do this and that and they'd bring out all these boxes and you could try things now you're kind of on your own in a lot of places mm-hmm. so you want to go someplace where they're actually going to measure your foot and then fit you for a proper shoe. And yeah, if you have a bunion, um, which is just, um, you, you, you know, if, you're, if your big toe isn't straight, if it points toward the middle mm-hmm. of your foot and there's an angle there at, at you know, at the, the knuckle of the big toe, mm-hmm. um, which would be, we would call that the, you know, the metacarpal phalangeal joint. Mm-hmm. Um, then you may need to see a podiatrist for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that's reasonable. 
obviously that's what he was thinking about because he asked us about podiatry. Yeah, yeah. I think podiatry is a good place to go. All right. So let's take this one. We've got time for another couple of questions, maybe. This one, I think this one's going to take up the rest of our time. Let's see. Hey, Dr. Steve. This is Adam in Nebraska. Hey, Adam. Um, I had a question about uh, panic attacks and anxiety. I've had issues with panic attacks, and I've kind of got that put to bed, but now I've got this anxiety kind of worry thing that is a bit of an issue. And I recall in an earlier episode, you had said that you had had, I think I think you said anxiety or maybe panic attacks or yep. both, yep. and uh, that you had taken care of it. And I was curious if you would share with us that are dealing with it, uh, how you succeeded yeah. uh, and maybe, maybe I and others could try your approach uh, or if you have any kind of reference material, books or anything that you think would be good to read. Okay. Uh, that was... That's my question, and uh, look forward to hearing your response. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, man. Well, um, he also, if it's the same person, he told me that the square breathing helped him a lot mm-hmm. when he has panic attacks. And we've gone over that enough. We could mm-hmm. do it again, mm-hmm. and it's no big deal. But um, <clears throat> panic attacks suck. Well, they do suck. Fucking terrible. Because what happens is Ugh. you have a panic attack when you're flying, so you just stop flying. And then you have a panic attack when you're driving on the interstate and you quit driving on the interstate. Then or you have in the one, rain. Yep. And you quit driving in the rain. And then you That's ha- my deal. And then you have a panic attack when you're uh, going to the grocery store, so you quit going to the grocery store. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, you're having a panic attack when you're going out and getting your mail, and now you're stuck in your house. And that, when that, it gets that far, it's called agoraphobia. And the panic attacks are so uncomfortable, people would, some people would rather just be confined to their home than to have to deal with those symptoms. The problem is the anxiety doesn't go away. You still have it. And now you're stuck in your home and you still have it. And, you know, it just becomes a routine and it sucks. So the first thing, uh, you know, there's lots of different therapeutic approaches to it. One of them is, and I think your uh, doctor talked to you about this too, Tacey, is what's the worst thing that can happen? They'll jam that into your brain. Mm-hmm. What's the worst thing can happen if you go out? Um, I die? Yeah. That's pretty bad. Exactly. Yeah, well, you're not going to die. So that's the thing. Well, that's right. That's yeah. always what it is. Yeah. So you go out and you don't die. Right. You know, and you didn't die this time and you didn't die the next time. You didn't die and you keep challenging it. When I had the panic syndrome, I don't know what it was. I, I don't think I'm a particularly strong person. But there was something in me was not going to give in to this panic attack bullshit and so i went to work every day i kept going i went to movies even though it made me intensely uncomfortable and uh i went to uh you know music events and stuff even though i knew i was going to pay for it later with severe anxiety and the day i got cured basically or the day my cure started was at the North Carolina State Fair in Raleigh, North Carolina, and my love for fireworks was over, you know, overweighed my fear of being in crowds. So I went to the North Carolina State Fair, extremely uncomfortable, and uh, but it had rained for five nights, and so they couldn't shoot off fireworks. That was shot off fireworks at the end. Tacy's heard this story a million times, and. Um, God, I sounded like Doug Bell just then when I did that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, me and, uh, you know, Jen Aniston, you know. She's heard this story a million times. Anyway, okay, stop. Um, So um, they shot off all the fireworks because it was the last night of the fair, and they had five nights worth of fireworks, so they shot them all off. It was awesome. It was really incredibly intense visual and an auditory thing and you know you could feel it through your whole body and all this stuff and it was amazing and then when we left though all those people that were there had to go through this little door in the in the uh, um, in the fence to get out of there and there was at least 10,000 people there and we couldn't move and I was like this. I mean, I was like, we were packed together like sardines. I couldn't move. And my thing was crowds. It was crowds. 
And my wife at the time showed an unusual moment of empathy, and she looked at me and said, are you okay? And I'm like, I have to be. I'm, I either am got to die right now or I got to get through this. And I didn't die. And um, I realized that the worst thing that could happen to me is that I'm uncomfortable. And from that, once that clicked in my head, from then on, it got better and better and better. It didn't go away immediately, but it got better and better and better. And uh, I stopped having the intense, you know, physical symptoms of anxiety and the intense mental symptoms of anxiety. And I... um, I still didn't like walking in front of a window if it was light inside and dark outside because I didn't know what was out there. And so that took a while to get over that. And now, yes, like this guy, I'm still a worrier. Tacey knows. I just worry about everything. But I'm not, you know, it doesn't affect my quality of life like it did. I had no quality of life before that. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it came this close to precluding me from getting to go to medical school because I'd gotten in. And um, I, you know, I was almost wanted, you know, I just was very poorly functional inside here. But outwardly, you know, I still went to my job every day. I was working in a lab with, uh, you know, an immunology lab and sequencing proteins and all that stuff. I did that. I still kept doing everything. And I really think that continuing to challenge whatever it is that gives you the anxiety is the key to that. Oh, but it's hard to do that when it's things like driving in the rain. Agreed. Because it does not rain every day. Right. And so it's just like it get it That's Tacy's thing. Gives it a chance to build back up yep. in between times. So for people like that and like people who have airplane phobia uh, and there's a term for it Dr. Scott you could look that up. Mm-hmm. Um Airplanophobia. Yeah, to fly, fear of flying. There's a name for it. Um, they'll, what they'll do is they'll put them in a in a 3D, it's like a, you know one of those 4D environments, or they'll slap an Oculus Go on their face, or an Oculus Quest, or some other Oculus, and simulate it over and over and over again. Because you're right, you don't fly that often unless you're you know commuting by by air. Aerophobia. Oh, that's it. I could have probably figured I guess that one that. out. I'll give myself a boo. All right. But anyway, so, uh, yes, and th- th- what I want people with anxiety to know is you can beat this. It took cognitive uh, behavioral therapy with me and continually, continually challenging the the beast inside of me which was uh you know the anxiety and when it was being stimulated and telling it it was full of shit and that it wasn't going to beat me and eventually it gave up mm-hmm. the best way i can describe it but uh seeing someone that deals with this psychology psychiatry there are medications for this as well and uh, square breathing, which we've talked about multiple times on the show. If you want me to go over it again, somebody email me and I'll send you a thing on square breathing. But um, basically, it's just a technique that allows you to break a panic attack because a lot of times the panic attack is made worse by the physical symptoms of you hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. So when you hyperventilate, you drive the CO2 in your bloodstream down, and that causes tingling in the fingers tingling around the mouth you can get um you know a feeling of tachycardia have fast heart rate and of course you're already anxious so now you're having these physical symptoms which makes the anxiety worse which makes the hyperventilation worse and um so you could breathe into a bag but you look stupid yep and if you're on a subway and you're anxious because you got uh, issues with being on the subway, and you pull out a paper bag and start breathing into it, you're going to just put a target on your back. Yeah. I like big, deep, heavy coughs, too. Stimulate the vagus nerve. Uh, I'm okay with yeah, that. Yeah, big, big, hard coughs. Yep. Sometimes it'll kick me Tacey out. Tacey knows that I have an anxiety cough, yeah. right? Yeah. Remember back yes. when we... I don't do that anymore. And so it gets better and better as time goes yeah. on. But I used to have a big, heavy anxiety cough. And she'd say, God, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm just anxious. So I figured that one out on my own. My body figured that one out. But, oh, I might as well. Shit, I brought it up. Square breathing, it's easy. (laughs) Breathe in for four beats. 
hold it for four beats, breathe out for four beats, and hold it for four beats, so it makes a square. And when you do that, you can, if you're only inhaling one-fourth of the time and exhaling one-fourth of the time, you cannot hyperventilate. It's impossible. If you got anything, Dr. Scott, we've got about a minute left. Nothing, I don't think. Well, for well, fuck's well, sake. well <laughs> it's not my damn fault. They'll fire. <laughs> hey, real quick. Well, let's hey, take hey, this hey, from hey, Ramp Salt then. Okay. All right, we'll take this one. Hey, Dr. Steve. Uh, this is Ramp Salt. Hey, I haven't Ramp. got to hear you for a while. And I got to hear you tonight, and I just wanted to tell you how grateful I am that you hooked me up with the Ramp Salt and that. You have such a great radio show. <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but I'd probably kiss you on the mouth. You're so good. Oh, man. hell. There I you might go. let you. Love you, man. Take care. Hey, thanks, man. Cool. Okay, that was a good way to go out. Oh, yeah. Uh, old Ramp Salt. So look at um, wvrampsalt.com, I think. Just uh, Google West Virginia Ramp Salt. <laughs> he makes some cool stuff. Why? Is that, ba- is that our son? Is he home? Yes, it is. Okay. All right. Well, let's get out of here. You ready? Let's do mm-hmm. it. Everybody ready? Yep. Anything else from the uh, waiting room? Everybody cool? Everybody's cool. We'll check in with them before we turn the feed off. Thanks always go to Dr. Scott and Tacey. It was great having you. Got to check us out on our Patreon where we had Robert Kelly last week and Mark Norman coming up. And uh, we're going to have other people uh, coming to uh, visit with us in the exam room, which is the... Did you come up with that? Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, what it is, because they're asking us questions. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, anyway, okay. it's stupid. It's hacky. I get it. We can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, that Gould girl, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Chowdy 1008, Eric Nagel, the Port Charlotte whore, the Saratoga skank, the Florida floozy. Roland Campos, sister of Chris, Sam Roberts, She Who Owns Pigs and Snakes, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Matt Kleinschmidt, Dale Dudley, Holly from the Gulf, Christopher Watkins Double, a.k.a. Steve Tucci, The Great Rob Bartlett, Vicks Nether Fluids, Cardiff Electric, Casey's Wet T-Shirt, Carl's Deviated Septum, Producer Chris, Jenny from the Jingles Department, The Inimitable, Vincent Paulino, everybody. Uh, Eric Zane, Bernie and Sid, Martha from Arkansas's daughter, Ron Bennington, and of course, our dear departed friends, Fez Watley, GVAC, Barry the Blade, whose support of this show never went unappreciated. Uh, listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. And many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy indeed. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye. There you go. Goodbye. Goodbye. Good day, sir. This show's over. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.